Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Consuming Crime with Jen and Jules. I'm Jen. I'm Jules. All right, so in this episode, I'm going to be taking over as the host and telling you the story of Michelle Avila. So before we get into this story, um, how's life, Jen? Life's good. Life's good. I'm excited that we're doing this podcast, that we're I'm, ha- I'm hanging out with you more. Yeah, that's true. We got a little, like, uh, we got a little fur set up. I, I tried to make this week i try to make us more comfortable you know so we feel more at home with the fur and blankets all over the room i'll uh i'll take a picture and i'll i'll post it on the the, the um, facebook page yeah jules is like the cute one in this relationship she gets all the cute stuff done <laughs> thanks fam it's thirsty thursday thirsty thursday yeah we got our we got our uh our tequila tequila lemonade but low-cal low-cal because we're skinny queens in this bitch yeah, we have that light lemonade. You can you can even hear it. <laughs> there's a lot of fires going on too in the area in California. Yeah, there's like a bunch of freeway closures, right? Like today. So today it, we are recording on October 24th and the a big fire by the canyons by Santa Clarita and the 14 was closed, the 110 or 101, one of those freeways was closed. There's also a local one in San Bernardino too. It's just these crazy Santa Ana winds. Yeah, and today was supposedly like one of the windiest days right like they had like a warning out yeah like cal state seminar dino i believe closed down today i'm like what the hell why did you guys close down when it was windy when i went there <laughs> luckily it hasn't been close enough to us to where we're not having to evacuate but no i do i do feel bad for those um people that are out there losing their homes and stuff and they're like i don't know is it weird that the first thing i think about is the animals like that's my first thought it's like i really hope they got their pets out i mean i don't think it's weird because they are kind of helpless like they rely on a human to take care of them and i feel like us humans you know our instinct is to run which is good you know if it's you or the pet obviously you run but i mean if you can just go back and save your pet yeah for sure and i think there's even a law around the time hurricane katrina was going on people lost a lot of their pets and people were getting sued and it was just a huge deal so i guess they made a law that um like if someone's demanding like they will not leave unless you get their animal like they have to go back in and let you i don't even know exactly where that is or where i heard that from um so don't quote me on that but um it sounded legit when whoever told me told me if you're bullshitting jules (laughs) i'm gonna be pissed uh let me google it hold on Okay, so the Pets Act is a federal law that was passed in 2006, shortly after Hurricane Katrina. Since then, more than 30 states have amended their disaster relief plans to account for the needs of companion animals and service animals. So regardless if it's service or this is just your pet. Hell yeah, that's cool. I'm really happy that law exists. Is it all states or? So it's at 30 states. Um, I have to read this and see which ones exactly. Wow, look at this. In 2006... A poll found that 44% of people who did not evacuate for Katrina made that choice because of their companion animals. It may sound crazy, but I I wouldn't leave without my animals. If I had to leave without my animals, I probably will never be a pet owner again. I would feel too guilty. Nah, I feel feel the same way. That's why, like, even not having a pet is nice because if something does happen, you're not worried about someone else. Um, Okay, so I have a diagram here. It says, so California is a state and it's it holds the law true and it has a plan for it not gonna get into the details because that's not the point of this podcast um but yeah so just check it out guys it's called the pets act in other news today i'm gonna be talking about the michelle avila 
murder. So Michelle Avila, also known as Missy, I'm going to actually be referring to her as Missy when I'm telling this story. She was killed in 1985. I'm going to tell the story without giving away who killed her. I'd like to try to make it a mystery, even though it might be obvious to most of you out there. So the reason that I'm talking about her is actually because my boyfriend's mom, shout out to Shireen, thanks for giving me this idea. She went to school with Missy and she knew her brother, I believe his name was Angel. Angel was the name of one of her brothers, also Mark and Christopher. So it was her and her three brothers. Missy grew up in Arletta, Los Angeles, and when she was eight, she met her two best friends, Karen Severson and Laura Doyle. They were friends, just the closest of friends, three musketeers. And around middle school, they kind of started getting into drugs and mostly weed, probably, which now isn't that big of a deal. I just cannot, cannot, cannot stand when people refer to marijuana as a drug. Like, for some reason, it just pisses me off. Well, yeah, because it's 2019. I was talking about Michelle, the murder victim. Do you want to join Franklin? No. Anyway. Oh, yeah, so marijuana. You know, back in the day, I think it's just a drug because it alters the mind. You know, I think that's what it is. But they, they do make it sound like a big deal when... As, as a sixth grader, like maybe maybe don't be doing marijuana with your, with your two girlfriends. But um, so on top of smoking weed, any other drugs they did not mention, but they were ditching school constantly. Um, managed to still pass middle school though somehow I don't know. So they all proceeded to graduate middle school and went into San Fernando High School. It was here where they started to be less besties. They were still really close, but Michelle was always very, or Missy, Missy was always very confident in herself. She never had a problem with competing with other girls. She just knew who she was and wasn't apologizing for any of it. Karen was described as her peers to be loud and obnoxious. Laura, Laura was a little weirdo. Um, She would use like the sharp end of a paper or a pen to like trace and carve her boyfriend's initials into her the palm of her hand i feel like that's a very teenage or like a tween age thing to do you know like you have a boyfriend you're obsessed and i mean it is kind of strange i never did that but then again i can see like little girls or i mean how old were they like 12 well going into high school so like 14 15 yeah high school is just an awkward year like your hormones are going crazy you think you're in love and then you realize you never were and Okay, anyways. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I I would, like, write in pen, like, oh, so-and-so plus so-and-so, but, like, before I'd get out of class, I'd, like, lick it and erase it, because, you know, boys didn't like me. <laughs> that was that was my life. And I do have to mention that Karen was a little heavier set, and she would get teased a lot for it, and according to Missy's brother, Missy would always stand up for her best friend, and Michelle was five foot two she was about 90 pounds she was slim build she had actually let me pull up this picture for you jennifer disgusting (laughs) she just called me jennifer guys this is so weird i uh i thought you were saying that about um missy i was gonna say dude we gotta cut that out that's like heavily offensive so this is michelle well first of all she's like this hot bombshell brunette she's gorgeous yeah she's got that um 
Farrah Fawcett hairstyle, right? That's what she had it like. She just looks like she'll be a star of like a really popular like high school movie, like Grease or something. Like, yeah, she does. She does. It was also around this time that Michelle started hanging out with boys a little bit more. You know, she's she's growing up. She's looking flash. She knows she looks flash, so of course boys are gonna like her. Her mother even said that boys would come visit her sometimes, so, you know, she's getting popular. That's not our business. That's her business, obviously. But this is still high school. Jealousy exists. So Karen was also very possessive of her best friend. Her mother even said, like, said that she was possessive of her. Other people would try to be her friend, and she'd be like, no, that's my best friend. And it got a little, like creepy like it freaked out her mother and this isn't this doesn't sound uncommon karen would get really pissed when missy would ditch her for boys which sounds normal one of the boys that they went to school with his name was john arnold said missy was prettier and she had a lot of friends karen was always fighting she always had something to prove missy just had to be herself and then her mother said quote if another girl wanted to be missy's friend karen would make sure that girl did not get close to her she was very possessive of my daughter so the jealousy ended up getting to karen and she started a rumor that missy was sleeping around with boys specifically boys that had girlfriends so it got to the point where missy was jumped by a group of these girls that said you're stealing our boyfriends you're hooking up with all of our boyfriends and it was unclear to me when doing research that like whether or not missy knew who started that rumor i don't know if she knew oh that's just like so high school and it just gets me mad that it happens and these little emotions that they're feeling are just not worth it and they're gonna go away and she's just like a mean girl she's a jealous mean girl we get over it like high school in the moment it feels like everything i don't even know why i'm speaking on it because i was homeschooled but i've i've seen movies i don't know (laughs) you think but i remember being homeschooled and thinking caring about what my neighbor thought you know of me and it was just you think that's the end and it's like you're not even close honey so now fast forward to junior year they're all still friends but still have the same underlying issues not acting on it though michelle started dating a boy named randy They only dated for like a month and then Michelle broke it off because Randy partied too much. And then shortly after that, not sure on the exact timeline, Karen started dating Randy. Yeah, so the one saying boyfriend stealer is a boyfriend stealer. This hoe. (laughs) But uh, whatever, they got serious and moved in together. And at this point, Karen is 17 not sure how old randy is they didn't really talk about him that much and so things got serious michelle she didn't seem to mind that much but then she started kind of interfering with him and karen not the way you might think though she would just say things like she was encouraging karen to break up with him but it was unclear why like they didn't say because they fought because you know like your girlfriend's like fighting with her boyfriend too much it may, may be verbally abusive physically abusive i don't know so you say things like that Like, I don't think that Missy was doing it to get him back, if that makes sense. Plus, she said, I don't want him back, but I don't think you guys should be together. Do you think she felt, like, disrespected by her best friend? Because that's just disrespectful. If I don't like a boy, and especially in high school, like, it just means a lot. And, you know, for her to just snatch her ex-man 
and that's that's just gross and weird on karen's behalf nonetheless this just fueled karen's jealousy because in her mind he's she's stealing everyone's boyfriend which by the way unconfirmed to this day actually karen went to irene who's missy's mom went to her mom i'm gonna call her irene went to irene and said your daughter keeps stealing girls boyfriends and that's when irene was like you know you need to not talk about my daughter like that or you can just get out i don't know what she thought was gonna happen does she have a mom did karen have a mom they you know i have so i have two resources i had i went to wikipedia and then i cross-referenced it with an la times article and they never mentioned karen's mother yeah she must have not had a mom to have the nerve to go talk to her best friend's mom like that after this this is when the jealousy finally got to karen and she or got to her once again and they were at the park in front of a bunch of their peers and karen started confronting missy about sleeping with girls boyfriends and according to wikipedia the story is that she pushed her slapped her and broke a beer bottle and like threatened her with it but on the la times there's no beer bottle so i'm assuming she just pushed her and slapped her i don't know about the beer bottle that's kind of weird not to mention it's kind of a big deal but anyway so that happened and then they didn't talk for about two weeks and then fast forward in that two weeks so on october 2nd 1985 michelle went out with her friend laura laura picked her up around 3 30 in the afternoon michelle was in a really good mood that day nothing out of the ordinary nothing for her mom to worry they went and then around six o'clock in the evening laura calls her mom and is like oh like can i talk to missy she's like um missy's supposed to be with you and she's like no i dropped her off with these boys in a blue camaro again difference in sources wikipedia says three boys la Times says two i'm gonna go with two so two boys in a blue camaro and she was like well why'd you leave her with her or why'd you leave her with the boys and she's like oh i just went to like drop her off at the park and go get gas and when it came back she was gone so of course irene was worried but she did wait for her daughter to get there and unfortunately she never she never saw her daughter alive after that point Three days later, on October 5th, there were two hikers walking up alongside a stream in Big Tahunga, and they discovered the body of Michelle Avila. She was face down in the water, her hair was chopped off, and she was covered by a 100-pound, 4-foot-long log. So, her death was by drowning, like her face, or she was forced underwater. That's how she died. <sighs> So because Missy was so popular, this rocked the entire neighborhood. And of course, you never you never think it's going to happen to you, to your family, in your neighborhood. So when it does, and it's someone so loved in, you know, in school and everything, it's like, how? That's just so sad. I felt like throughout your story, I was like getting to know Michelle, Missy. And it's just, it just breaks my heart that the mom never got to see her one last time, never got to say goodbye. And it's just, like, makes you realize, like, you really have to hold on to the people you have. Because, like you said, you don't never expect it to happen in your town to the people you know and the people you love. Yeah, and with Irene, like, can you imagine she's hearing all this gossip about boys and jealousy and hatred? And then, it's like, oh, it's just high school. Like, it'll pass. And then, now her daughter's dead. 
So one of the people that was the most upset when finding out about this was Karen. She started drinking and she even moved in with she moved in with Irene and according to Irene became like a surrogate daughter to her. She comforted her. Um, they comforted each other. They were each other's rocks. And whenever Irene would go and she would go and look for guys in blue Camaros and stop them. And Karen was right there, like next to her. I see a look on your face. What are you thinking? I'm thinking, is this whole Karen? <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> I think I found my slogan, guys. Just wait. <laughs> yeah, guys, since you already kind of gathered who did it, I'm going to tell you all the creepy stuff she did. So it was Karen. It was Karen. <laughs> but but there's other people involved that I'll get to. She had newspaper clippings. So if you didn't get that it was her from earlier, you're going to get it now. She started talking about being suicidal, saying, you know, I lost my best friend. Everyone was buying it. The mother was buying it. She had photos of Missy in her room, like a collage form, had newspaper clippings, would go see her grave several times a week, which is fine, that's your best friend. But why go to the creek where she was murdered? Like, she would go visit even there. I cannot stand her. Like, what a damn creep. What? A, how does she think she's gonna get away with this? News, like, she was already clearly obsessed with her best friend, which is creepy. Just don't be obsessed with your best friend. Love your best friend. Just don't obsess about them. It's creepy, guys. Dude, she told Irene that she saw Missy's ghost. So, police officers are having trouble. The mother is having trouble. They cannot find these dudes. There's no name. Laurel, Laurel, Laura doesn't give any information at all. As a matter of fact, the case goes cold for like two years and then when asking laura again she said i dropped her off at a church with two boys in a blue camaro didn't you say it was a park like she changed it but her reasoning to change it was because of the drugs because they were involved in like selling weed <laughs> like i don't know okay so who was involved in selling weed like the boys in the blue camaro supposedly or like is she hinting that like misty was involved in selling weed i mean it's possible that she was trying to not make her dead friend look bad laura if you know something i hope you said something <laughs> so july of 1988 a witness came forward her name was eva chirumbolo i have to mention this in wikipedia they say she came forward in the la times she denied snitching but if she denied snitching who the hell told I don't know. It was kind of confusing the way that they told it. But this is the person we find out from, supposedly. I mean, we obviously know who did it. Um, so what had happened was <laughs> Michelle and Laura were going to the creek. Eva and Karen were following them in their car behind. Unclear if they were meeting up on purpose because they would hang out at that creek all the time. Or if it was like a plan. You know, we don't know. So once they were all hanging out at the creek, the girls started bickering about the exact same thing. And then Randy's name came up. Karen and Randy are together still at this point. Um, not physically, just like in a relationship. So they start yelling about him. And Karen was getting very frustrated. She could not stand that Missy wouldn't admit to anything. She was saying, you know, you did this, you did that. And Missy was saying, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. 
and it was really pissing Karen off to the point where the girls, Laura and Karen, proceeded to chop off her hair, which was like her beauty, her stamp, I don't know. And then that's when they both pushed her head in the water and then put that log over her so that she couldn't move. So Laura did it too. Laura, Laura, Laura. I thought I liked you throughout this whole damn story. So wait, what did you, did you think that like she dropped her off with Karen or? To be honest, I genuinely just thought that she really had nothing to do with it. Like, it's just like my friend saying like, hey girl, like drop me off here. Me, I'm not a nosy person. Maybe that's not a good characteristic, but I do not ask questions, girl. Like, I'm just like, bye Felicia, I'll drop you off wherever you want to be dropped off at. (laughs) And I thought that was what happened. I thought like maybe the boys were like part of freaking stupid Karen's plan. Yeah, so Eva said she had walked away before the murder started, but after the bickering. So this sounds like a deal with the cops to me. This sounds like, you know, if you tell us what happened, we'll we'll give you, what is it called? Immunity? Yeah, something like that. So that's why I'm like, okay, someone came forward. It was her. It was just somewhere that she denied it. But anyway, let me actually show you a photo of these girls in the courtroom. All right, so go ahead and take a look at these photos. On the left, that is Laura. And on the right here, that's Karen. Honestly, had you showed me these photos before, I would have automatically assumed it was them. <laughs> they look like murderers, legit. But anyway, yeah, these are the girls. I didn't show you the photo earlier because you can... I don't know. To me, I can tell they're in a courtroom. I don't know if it's just because I know, or can you tell? I honestly can't tell they're in a courtroom. They just look evil as fuck. Karen's got this smirk on her face. I don't know. So she's darker haired. She's got thicker eyebrows, a little bit, a little chubbier face, just a little bit. Um, And then Laura's blonde. She's got the same hairstyle as Missy, no? She does not compare to Missy, guys. Missy is a bombshell. Laura, put it this way, Missy is like Cinderella, and the other two are like the ugly stepsisters. Dude, tell me, what is it like, what you order online versus what you get in the mail? (laughs) So, the girls pleaded not guilty, just FYI. They said we had nothing to do with this. Fortunately, the justice system came through, and it didn't work for them. They did get charged in March of 1990 with second-degree murder and sentenced to... 15 years in prison and Michelle's mom was in shock obviously dude you were next to me when I was questioning innocent people in blue Camaros and you're sitting there crying talking about oh I want to kill myself I miss my best friend like you like she moved into her home like to console her and she's the murderer it honestly doesn't surprise me Karen sounds like a damn psychopath Michelle's brother Mark said quote i think karen wanted to be part of the family she wanted to be missy she wanted to take her place that's exactly what it was i'm telling you they're like the ugly stepsisters and it's like what is it keep your friends close but your enemies closer and i feel like that's what it was can i say i don't know i thought this was kind of funny laura gave the family a sympathy card around the time of her death with like 20 dollars in it Uh (laughs) take your crusty ass 20 dollars back like but like seriously even if she didn't kill her are you so isn't that weird why would you give someone a sympathy card with money in it is that like a thing i mean maybe to help with like funeral expenses but dude if this was before like i knew she was a damn murderer like i'd be like oh that was sweet but now it's like that's fucking disgusting dude crusty ass like ugh. (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness 
So Sergeant Bill Patterson, he was the one on the case, and he always knew that the girls knew more about the death than they were willing to admit. But he didn't think that they were the real killers. Uh, mostly because they were always, every time the officers would call, like, oh, come into the station, they'd, they'd go. They would always answer their questions. Besides Laura changing her story that one time. So Karen and Laura both served about 15 years. Let's do the math real quick because this story is not over. So they're out now. <laughs> they, yeah. 15 years. Why? I think they were, because they were tried, because they committed the murder when they were juveniles. I, I don't know if they were tried as kids or not. They had to have been, though. That was a really short time to be in jail for murder. Murder. Austin Powers says, murder. With the pinky guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so Karen was released on December 8th, 2011. She served 23 and a half years. So longer. I don't know how that happened. Laura was released on December 2012 after 22 years. One thing that makes me really upset about this whole thing is that Karen got out of jail, was having trouble getting a job naturally. You're, you're a con, an ex-con for murder. So she started to tell her side of the story. She wrote a book about what it's like to be in prison, telling the story of Missy, her, Laura, Meanwhile, this family is probably so tired. You know, it's been 25 years. Let them grieve. Let it go. And she's over here writing a book. Here, here's the cover of her book. My Side of the Story. My Life, I Lived It by Karen Severson. I hope nobody really actually buys that damn book. So the story with this book is, by the way, this is a picture of Irene. This is her mom. My heart. She just looks like such a caring mom. She just reminds me of my mom. <laughs> That's sad. Um, but yeah, she she started making money off of these books, and then her family got really pissed. And that is when the Missy Law, something like that, passed. And basically, where basically it was making whatever Karen was doing illegal. Like she can't profit off of someone else's story and someone else's death. After that law was passed the book publisher made the price of the book zero dollars so i don't know how many copies sold by that point but yeah now i'm gonna play for you a four minute clip of karen severson talking to dr phil by the way she denies ever moving in with irene she denies comforting her that whole allegation she says never happened so the clip is called what drives a teen to kill a friend i'll put the link on the website and I'm also going to play it here in this podcast for you guys. I was there. I cussed her out. I was a bully. I was mean. I had been her bodyguard for years. I had defended her. I was resentful because I felt that she used me for years. And here I was at this time when I could have helped her like I've always done. And I made a choice to turn my back. That is more disheartening than had I stuck a log on her. It's harder for my heart to sit here and tell you and all these people that I turn my back on my one-time best friend. I would rather sit here and tell you, yeah, I helped with this log and I put it on. That would be easy for me. How was it that you were so morally corrupt that at this time, if we just take your version of the story, that you just followed along and- No, I was there, did, I drove up there. You did cut her hair and you did push the log over and then left and have no idea what happened with the log after that 
um, but that you were a party to this and you spent 23 years in the penitentiary for it? 23 and a half. 23 and a half years in the penitentiary for it. So they apparently thought you did something of importance. Absolutely. Um, As you look back on this, how were you so morally corrupt that this was okay with you at the time? That this, that this, that this was something that, that you didn't say, you know what, I, no way. I, what, what the hell are you doing tying her hands behind her back? I'm out of here. I want no part of this. You're right. What, 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 what was wrong with you that you were that broken that you didn't do that? There's a list. You want a list? <laughs> no. I just want an answer. You know, the truth, how could I get to that point? I was full of anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment. I had an identity crisis growing up. There are a lot of contributing contributing factors in my life that contributed to this. Was it Missy? No, there was more to my life. And here's the thing, when it came time for this to happen and we were up there, now here's the thing, we were mean girls, we were boys, and boys are pack animals. When one started, we fueled the fire to the next. Individually, we wouldn't do this on our own. I don't believe either one of us. But you were the bodyguard. You were the one that fought the fights. I I fought a lot of fights. I did, and I was tired of it. I was tired of it. So how are you drawn along by these other girls? You were the you were the alpha dog in this. Why were you drawn along? Actually, I wasn't the alpha dog. I was drawn along. You fought the fights. We were all friends. I fought the fights for Missy. Yeah. You know, not not on Laura and Eva. And we were all friends, and we all went together collectively to confront her. We, the plan wasn't to go to the mountains. That was an afterthought when Laura was driving by, when uh, Eva and I were waiting at the park. So waiting at the park to confront her. But, like, I call BS, dude. She is just trying to make it seem like, oh, you know, like, being a bully is not an excuse. You don't kill somebody. You shouldn't even bully. Oh, we were together. Like, stop. Oh, I just can't freak. She looks like the I'm going to call your manager person. Like, she has that <laughs> damn haircut. And Dude, she, her name's Karen. And her name is Karen. Like, she is the typical, can you call a manager? Fucking lady. I can't stand them. Sorry. We bully murderers on this podcast. <laughs> but that's it. I mean, that's the least they deserve. I don't care. I mean, you killed somebody. You deserve to be bullied for the rest of your life. That sounds so harsh. But I mean, you killed somebody. And then this this bit where she... What did she say? Where she was her bodyguard? You fought for Missy. Like, you would get into fights to protect her, and now you're shoving her head in water. You're saying it's not on you? They cut her hair, guys. Like, they legit cut her hair. That just breaks my heart. And in, when they said that there was a confrontation at the park that other time with the beer bottle, supposedly, or the slapping, nobody, not one person said Missy hit her back. Which means, like, yeah, she's a bully, and now she's against bullying, and she's has, like, a fund for for anti-bullying, can't, like, a, an anti-bullying campaign named after Missy. Like, dude, you're still... Mm. And I get it, like, it's hard to make money when you're an ex-con, but, like, it should be. And you shouldn't be trying to make a dime and profit off of another family's story. Honestly, I'm all for people changing, and I hope people really do genuinely change. 
I just feel like she seems very defensive. Like, very, like, oh, like, don't, even when Dr. F- I mean, Dr. Phil was hammering her, and I'm freaking glad. Like, those questions were hilarious because she was forced to answer them in front of people. And I'm glad because she needs to just own to own up to what she did. And yeah, maybe it wasn't her fault. It seems like she's trying to bring down other people with her, but it's like, no, you as a person did it too and just own it. Yeah, I mean, the title of her book is My Life, I Lived It. Like, I don't know. It should be like, my life, I'm owning it. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. But <sighs> that was today's story, guys. Again, my sources were LA Times, Wikipedia, and the Dr. Phil Show. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Phil. Yeah, um... Make sure to give us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Probably one of those two. Yeah. Give us five stars, guys. If not, you know, leave some feedback. We would like any feedback, you know, just to see what you guys like, what you guys don't. Um, it won't hurt our feelings, but just be nice. I, I just want to clarify it. It will 100% hurt my feelings, but um, I'll get over it and I'll work on it. That's a great show, guys. I heard it around the time. Thanks. <laughs> Number one fan. Hey, did you follow our Facebook page? Did you follow our Instagram page? Did you give us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts? <clears throat> this is a hint to all of y'all listening, by the way. All right, guys. Until next time, thanks for consuming crime with us. Toodles.